Yes, good people, it's Francis here from Let's Do Humans podcast. This is just a quick announcement, just to encourage everybody here that's listening to our podcast right now, just to ensure that you subscribe and you follow us on all of the various platforms out there that produce podcasts, that's subscribing to us on YouTube, following us on iTunes and Spotify. I mean, follow us, make sure that you share our content and continue your support, that'll be greatly appreciated. That's Let's Do Humans, L-E-T-S-D-O-H-U-M-A-N-S, Let's Do Humans, one word. Appreciate all of your support. Stay blessed, good people. Yeah, it's all good now. It's all good to go. Um, first of all, welcome to Let's Do Humans, by the way, Colin. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. Where else are you based? Birmingham. Oh, Birmingham. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. I, really, I like Birmingham. I've, I've got a, um, a friend out there. I think, I'm think i sure you're aware of him, um, Craig um, Pinkney. I've heard the name. Yeah, I think I know the name. Yeah, he, he, Craig. He, I think he's um, he lectures at Birmingham University. Hmm. Yeah, he does. He does a lot of work there with um, a lot of the young people in and around Birmingham. So um, he, I, I had him on the podcast about a year or so ago. We were just talking about violence within the black community and, in particular, dealing with like young people and how to solve the issues and so forth. So it was quite interesting getting his perspective of it being from Birmingham and the issues that they do with on, on that side of things. Um, yeah, would you would you mind first um, introduce yourself um, in terms of who you are and some of the work that you do? Yeah, my, um, my name's Colin Sutherland. Um, I'm an author. Came out with the uh, book, This is uh, Black England, uh, which was published uh, last year. My professional background is a career guidance advisor. I've been doing that for uh, over 20 years in mainstream school. Um, I own a, um, a Caribbean takeaway locally to myself. So I've been dipping in kind of um, into in entrepreneurial kind of opportunities throughout my well, throughout my life, really. Yeah, oh, amazing. Um, so obviously one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on here was to um, talk about the new book. That, well, it's not really new. It's been about, about for a year, the book that you published um, called This is Black England. Um, what was the inspiration behind the book initially? And it's a fictional book, right? So it's not a factual book about your life, it's not autobiography, is it? No, a lot, a lot of the stuff in the book is uh, made up, but I mean, there's always a true element to the book because um, it's set in 1981. So certain things what were happening in 1981 are still happening in today's society. So yeah. you know, in terms of racism and things like that. So that you know, until that erodes that that will always stay with us yeah. in terms of until we fight for more equality. Um, my, my, my inspiration to writing a book, it was just basically having all that time off through COVID. Yeah. And uh, I think because of what was happening with the George Floyd and uh, in terms of uh, Black Lives Matter or, and with COVID at the same time, it made me, it made me, and it made everybody else around 
probably reflect on in terms of their life. Um, and then people started reflecting in terms of, you know, especially probably my generation in terms of their childhood, in terms of what we, because we experienced racism, but it was a case of, you know, just, you, you didn't think if it was racism or not racism, it was, it was never blatant. And, that, and so I think a lot of us in terms of, especially on social media, started to look into terms of our childhood and then people's stories started coming out saying, well, I experienced this at school. I experienced that through the workforce. I've experienced that through college. I've experienced that through university. And it just made me think, hang on, in terms of reflecting on my life as well. I mean, in terms, I mean, I've always been a book reader, mm. avid book reader from from a long, long time ago. Yeah. And I used to just go to the library and I always was interested in my identity as a black person. Mm. So I used to read a lot of autobiographies. I used to read a lot of African books yeah. um, or, or, or American books on slavery uh, or the African in terms of South Africa and things like that. So I've, I've always been interested in that side. And like I said, I've always been an avid book reader. So I always thought, I always said to myself, I would love, love to write a book. Yeah. But you know, the time was going to happen and the time yeah. happened. Like yeah, COVID definitely did give us the time to kind of reflect. And there was something interesting you said. Um, in terms of reflection, there's a lot of experiences that many black people have had that they didn't really understand or interpret in terms of what it was, whether it was discriminatory, whether it was racist, whether it, were, it wasn't all of that. But having this time off and being able to reflect and also being able to identify what is right and what is wrong enables us to now pinpoint those issues at hand. Um, what, what was Birmingham like in the 80s? Are you are you from Caribbean descent or African? I am Caribbean. My both parents and grandparents are Jamaican. They came over in the in the fifties, basically. So we're part, we're probably probably second generation yeah. in terms of. Uh, um, so, in terms of Birmingham, Birmingham's always been multicultural. Mm. You know, it is a case of it depending on what part of Birmingham. But I mean, obviously, if you if you say if you say a place like Handsworth. Handsworth has always been predominantly with black and Asian and, and the white Irish always mixed. Uh, and there was all other parts like where I grew up was uh, Erdington. So that was predominantly mixed. Like I said, you, you, you'd have, like I said, the white Irish, you have the Asians, whether the Pakistani, Bangladesh, or, or maybe Pakistani or Bangladesh. Uh, so you had that mixture anyway. So it wasn't like, a, a, a white person in, in around that era never saw black people. It was yeah. predominantly there was quite a lot around. Um, it was hard in terms of I think we all integrated. I think in terms of the black community, we more integrated more than in the Asian community because the Asian community, well, like they always, they kind of stick to their own. They don't kind of mix, and and a lot of them didn't even want to speak English. So it was easy for us to integrate. And because of our culture in terms of music, that, that's a big thing um, growing up in the 1980s when you had like two-tone, where that was like a crossover with black and white. That was our music together. Mm. Um, that brought us even more closer. 
Uh, and like I say, in terms of the food and everything else. So, but it, it's, but in terms of, a, I, I mean, I'm looking back in terms of 1981 where I was 11. And mm. if you was a black kind of youth in terms of, I don't know, 17, 18, you, you would find it hard in terms of, because there was high unemployment around anyway. Because mm. the factor was in charge, the Conservative Party was in charge. And they weren't doing nothing for the working class person at all. So the blame was always on those immigrants who came over or whatever, and then it perpetrated onto their children. So everybody was trying to fight for something or fight for a job or whatever situation. And that's where the rivalry and the racism would entail because yeah. they thought we were taking their jobs, but we never had any jobs in the first place. So it was always hard in terms of to move into prominent positions because you was never given that chance. You never had no one before you doing anything in a prominent position. So you was always kind of, you didn't have, it wasn't like the Asians. The Asians could work together in a sense where there was quite a few of them and they do settle. And a lot of the Asians came over from African countries where they had business sense in terms of, and they had money and finances, so they could set up in areas and then, you know, didn't have to mix and whatever where we had to mix. But in terms of how we was, we wasn't given that no opportunity. So if you want to, to have aspirations, high aspirations, say like, I don't know, like a solicitor or an accountant or someone like in that prominent position, you wasn't unless you knew people was gonna let you in some way or many mentor you. Didn't you? There's no opportunities. It was a case, of, you know. I mean, around the Birmingham area, it, it was a lot of manufacturing, a lot of car. You had the, you had Rover, so they had a car plant, so a lot of manufacturing, a lot of factories and whatever, and that that was the avenue where they thought you was best suited. You wasn't suited in terms of intellect for you to, I don't know, be a lecturer or, or anything like that, or professor or anything like that, or a doctor. You was more geared towards, well, you know, you're only good enough to like to to do cleaning or good enough for certain positions. And yeah. and I think a lot of the youth, I mean, around that area were frustrated because there wasn't given no opportunity. And because the working white was in that same situation, that's where we had a lot of conflict. Mm. So it wasn't easy for the, especially the youth. Like I said, I was 11, but yeah. it wasn't easy. That's why the riots happened. The riots happened because they just, I mean, it's no different. All right, then it was a riot in terms of, all right, then it should have been more as a, you know, like how you uh, the, like Black Lives Matter, or everybody wants a protest now, a march. It wasn't you. They didn't think that way. They're the mentality. We have, we've had enough. Yeah, we've so had flashed up. Yeah, so but people jumped on the bandwagon. You don't get me wrong. People jumped on the bandwagon because I saw it as something to cause even more destruction. Mm. I I didn't understand it because it, there was causing it was causing destruction in our own community. Mm. So that didn't make sense to me, but to, to those, you know, they, they, they just had enough. And it wasn't just Birmingham. We all followed suits. You know, in every town, you know, in the towns, 
you know, whether you London, Bristol, Liverpool, or Cardiff, even Cardiff, you know, everyone is all around said, enough is enough. Yeah. You know, just like how the Black Lives that everybody marching around. But they did it in with, with obviously with the rights and whatever. And they just had they just had enough it in terms of, you know, they had enough in terms of the, the stop and search. That was prominent. You know, you walk down the street and you was gonna get the police was gonna stop you. Yeah. I mean now, even now, if I see police, I'm always I'm always a Aware, wary of yeah, the, the police. Trauma is still there. Yeah, it's, it's still kind of traumatizing. Yeah. yeah, it couldn't be if I'm driving my car. I'm mm. conscious because I've been stuck numerous times. But he, but if you say to other people, it's like it's oh, it's, it's like it's nothing. It's you know, oh, it's what he expected, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that the color of your skin. You should be stuck to cert. I mean, I, I remember one time when. I only went down to the post office. Yeah. Went to the post office. No, to the sorry, not the post office, to the post box. Just to put in a letter in my own, uh, we're living in Newtown. Mm. And uh, it wasn't far from the city centre, Birmingham city centre. And then two police cars just, whoop, and said, where are you going? And I said, I'm, I'm going post box. Yeah. <laughs> put a letter in the post box. Oh, well. We heard something in the area in town. This is city centre. I'm in Newtown. Mm. It's about, it's probably about half an hour walk. We heard something in the city centre that somebody got rubbed and blah, blah, blah. And as far as they concerned, and the description was a black person. Yeah. It didn't, whether it was that black person was light skin, dark skin, whether he had a hoodie, it didn't make no difference. He was mm. a black person. And you know, it was a case of at the time, oh, can we? Is it? I mean, is they it was like, oh, we have to search you, mm. you know. And it was like, well, what do I do in that situation? Do I allow them to search me or do I make you know, confrontation with them? But you don't know where this confrontation gonna, gonna take you. Yeah. Let them, if you want to pat me down, pat me down because I ain't got nothing to lose, and yeah. and that's. And that's what we have to experience. Yeah. Hey, is that right? Well, the white person gets stuck. If there was a crime and a white person and the, and the police said, oh, oh uh, a white person, not feeling it, just a white person yeah. rubbed somebody, blah, blah, blah. Would they do that? No, they wouldn't. Yeah. But this is the thing what we, where we would get targeted. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it gets to the stage where you just condition. You condition when you get stuck. Yeah. If you say something, and you, you and you, and, you, and any kind of aggression or or, or or you're angry, that's it. Come out the cup. I mean, many times when I have to bottom my mouth on the floor, forget it. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you I question that, that's the issue with stop and search is that you know it's kind of twofold because on one hand it's supposed to serve a purpose, but then on the other hand it becomes very biased based because there's there's that there's that um, disconnect between understanding of black people. So it's like. You know, because the description of the perpetrator is black, now all of a sudden you're out here stopping every black person, and then that creates resentment. So the issue now is the innocent black person that you've stopped, next time they see the police, they're not going to be able to cooperate because that relationship has been broken because you violated them. 
So that, that's that's where that lack of understanding of, of community comes from, and that's when all those like unnecessary biases that we tend to have as human beings come into play, and it doesn't create a fair system, and also it doesn't do well for the relationship between communities and the police. So I've got I've got a friend, Seishon Lewis, who does great work with the police. He's 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 always training them in regards to these type of things, and he's a youth worker within the community in South London. But he gets stopped all the time. And this is someone who actively does work with the police. He trains the police. And he, he, he works directly with the communities. He runs football schemes in, in some of the estates in South London. But he, get, he get, I mean, last year, he said he got stopped around like 35 times. That's just because he's in, he's in those areas where crime takes place. But nonetheless, he's not a criminal. He's there to stop the crime. But it's because of those biases and those blanket stops that tends to cause that disconnect between the community. And then we, we can't trust them. So it's like... You know, I've been violated so many times whilst I'm innocent. So now you've got innocent people not wanting to co collaborate with the police. And it's a major issue that needs to be looked at and rectified because it ha it's been going on since the eight, well, since forever up until now. So it, nothing much has changed. Yeah, it's, tr it's true. And that, I mean, I'm always conscious, you know, that I don't go anywhere specifically for walking the streets over a certain time, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. I just feel conscious myself walking that as a black person, even the incident, just walking, just having a nice walk around. Mm. That can, you know, in in terms of bias in people's head. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, it, I mean, like I said, in terms of the 80s, it, it was good times. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go on in terms of, because like I said, you had the crossover in terms of uh, integration and everything else in the music and, so it wasn't as bad, but I think it was more in terms of opportunities and yeah. in terms of, you know, we as black people, we never saw there was an opening. There was never, there was no aspirations for us, to be honest. It doesn't matter. Oh, whatever you did have aspirations, you would always have barriers and there's nothing, ain't nothing changed now. It just, it just, it is what it is. But yeah. people more, more, more alert on that situation where back then, you know, certain things were just part of that era. It was just allowed. Now it would be like, oh, no, that's disgraceful. Yeah. But just, you know, just... Yeah. That's, that's the thing about, you know, when it comes to, like, protesting and fighting for your rights, I mean, you get some people that complain about the fact that it's overboard. But then when you look at history, a lot of stuff has changed because people stood their ground and fought for what they believe was right. So maybe if that generation didn't riot, certain things that was considered okay to do towards um, um, ethnics would have still been continuing now. So there needs to be a constant pushback, I believe. I think sh things should be done within the legal framework, but sometimes maybe pushing those boundaries is what stops things from continuing. So if there's not big riots, if there's not big protests, then you know, is there any need for change? No, there might not necessarily be any need for change. But um, you said something interesting in terms of aspirations. You said when the Asian community came, obviously I know they came from Kenya, Uganda, and places like that. So they came with like, you know, business and money. They came with that experience of running shops and, and setting up their own businesses. Whilst when uh, the Afro-Caribbean community came, especially within the Windrush generation, they came purposely just to work and to build a country. And they, they, yeah. there wasn't a plan to come and build and set up. It was like, come serve and, you know, whatever happens to you, happens to you after that. So I think that plays a major part in where those two, where like those two um, groups, um, history kind of like 
you know, split and went different ways because it came for completely different purposes. Because I'm assuming your parents came from the Windrush generation, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did in the fifties, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, they worked in factories or what. Because I mean, in Jamaica, there wasn't that educated, and they saw an opportunity. Um, I mean, uh, in terms of my mum and her background, um, her father was in England, and he was already set up, and he had loads of brothers and a few sisters. So they were set up. And she wrote to him to say, Can I, you know, because there was nothing happening. Back then, Jamaica, in, in terms of the, the economy and everything else, was, you know, it, it weren't great, mm. you know, in terms of, and it was a great opportunity for somebody like my mother, who was probably about 17, or 18 or something like that, and, you know, to come over to England because there would, you know, or, you know, there would be nothing there. There wouldn't, mm. there wouldn't there's nothing in, in Jamaica. And then, my father, he he went to America first. He wow. thought there was opportunities for for him in America, but I don't know what part of America he went. He didn't like it. Mm. He, he saw too much racism over there. It must have been tough. Then, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but well, obviously with the civil rights or whatever, certain people, you know, can manage it, and he, he didn't. Because the funny thing is, half of his family went to America and. Uh, well, he was one of the first ones, so you know, probably by himself, he didn't he probably thought, No, this is not for me. So he came back to Jamaica, but then he went to England. But he had, but we had, he had other brothers in England, so London. Mm. So it was easy for him to go to London, and then he, he got integrated. And then before you know it, the, the, the new about jobs in Birmingham, so they moved to Birmingham. So, I mean, just I mean, in terms of that. You know, in terms of the Windrush, in terms of uh, how they uh, portrayed portrayed themselves while they was in England, but like I said, it, in terms of like I mean, you said it eloquently in terms of you know, in terms of what their aspiration was to serve. It wasn't anything into business minded or or, or or particular careers. Um, I mean, to be honest, my parents never never they never really pushed like to say. Do they, they do better, but not in terms of education? Because they they didn't see education as any. They never had education themselves, so for them to mm. say, "Oh, education," or you know, what I mean, they, they, it was more self motivating yourself, yeah. really. Do you know what I mean? It, that, that that was it. More. I mean, I didn't have. I mean, I look at my sister. She 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 was very uh, smart and whatever, um, and she was one of the first to go to university, but then she dropped out. Mm. Well, she gave us, I think she was more the role model for us mm. in terms of aspirations. Cause she, she, at the time we thought she was going into the medical field to so maybe to be a doctor or something. So it, it just took, it takes one person to give you that kind of yeah. aspiration. Yeah. It's only later down the line when I realized myself, when I didn't, when I left school, I, I had a few, qualifications and I realised when I went for jobs and, and, I, and I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left school. It was my mum said, oh, you know, just get a trade. So I, I done electrical, electronic, but I knew it wasn't for me. I went to college and whatever, but, and I had jobs in it, but I just knew that wasn't, that wasn't for me. Yeah. You know, my hands dirty. I can get my hands dirty. I'm very practical. I'm, 
I'm, I'm grateful for what I learned because mm. you know things right now, and, I have, and people have paid me to do. That, but it wasn't me. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't me picking up shovel or whatever. It wasn't me being in that factory environment. It just wasn't me. I'm not. I'm not putting. I'm not putting anybody else down. Yeah. You know, you want to do that's that's up to you. But for me, it just. I felt there was more. I felt there was more I could. I could achieve and shoveling and working in a factory wasn't that was for my parents for myself yeah. I just that I, I could I could push myself uh, basically and then it was a case of realizing that I need to get my master English back mm. I needed to retake that and then from there just doing an access course and then uh, going to university and trying to find myself in university getting myself even more educated but the funny the funny story in mm. university, I was only there for two weeks okay. before I was accused of robbing a book. Seriously? This within two weeks. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I come to university within two weeks. And and you see, I could have made a big deal because uh, I told, the, uh, I said somebody told my tutor at the time and it was going to be a big protest and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But, the, the, the feedback what I what I got from the tutor was the fact that I was too aggressive and it was, it was basically what it was right. Obviously, in the in the lectures or whatever, they're telling you to get certain books. Yeah. And at the time, at the university, they had a new book uh, store, so it was all brand new. Yeah. So I bought a book from there. No problem with that, right? At the and then. I went back again because, uh, like I said, they, they kept on saying, yeah, you have to buy these books and that. Ever. So I went back into the bookstore and then I had the book what I had previously with me, what I bought. Oh. But when I went in, the, uh, the tag and it was the alert. Did it, did it, did it. And then the next minute, um, they said, oh, did you buy that book? And I said, yeah, I bought that book. I don't know why it went off. Obviously, the tag wasn't taken up. It was a new book, so maybe the, the, I said the tag, and, and I said, well, you know that, you know, the book just went off, and and, and have you got any proof? And the receipt? I said, no, I haven't got no. I'm not on me. Yeah. I mean, I've got receipt, but I haven't got it on me, and whatever. Oh, you have to come down. You have to go in uh, and see the security. So the, I was brought into the room, security, and the security was just damn right cheeky. Mm. Oh. That book, you know, he's just accusing me and all that. I'm thinking, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. I said, I never bought, I bought the book and what the, yeah, he did, yeah, he did. You, 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 you must have rubbed that book, otherwise, I, what would you learn? A lot. So, wow. The next minute, they didn't even want to resolve it there and then, or even said to me, <clears throat> let me bring, uh, I can, I got a receipt, I can prove it. Yeah. I can prove it. I got a receipt. I just need to go on, but they didn't want to listen to me. So what I do? They phoned the police. Next really? minute, within two minutes, the police was there. That's how quick the police never took them that long to get there over the book. And then when as soon as the, the police came in, because I tried to explain to the police, I said to the police, like what I said to the security, I said, "Listen, I'll bring." I said. I've got receipts. I've got a receipt. It's a good job I had the receipt. But I've got a receipt of the book. I bring it in. I bring it in. It ain't an issue or whatever. I bring it in. And then the police goes, repeat what I just said. Oh, if you've got a receipt, just just bring it in. And I'm thinking, 
So the police came just to say what I was said. <laughs> and the security didn't even have to call the police. Yeah. And then when I told at the time, I was vexed about the situation. I mean, again, then next day, grabbing receipt, whatever. Because obviously the tag, they didn't take the tag off. And then I, when I, I spoke to somebody about it. I didn't expect them to do nothing. I spoke to, and this guy is part of some society, this mixed mm -hmm. guy, part of society. Next minute, he's telling the, the He's telling my lecturer, um, my form tutor and everything now. And the next minute, there was, they're bringing it up in debate. With the, they started to challenge the security and the back and forth. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't even that fussed. Yeah. I didn't want to really take it that far. Yeah, it's the principal, though. I, I, you know, it was, it was an ambition of mine to go to university. Mm. I'm in university. And then within two weeks in being in university, this could be taken away from me. Yeah. So that's why I thought, that's why I didn't really want to make a big deal of it. Just in case I said, oh, it caused me trouble, whatever. And then, and then I'm a troublemaker. Yeah. And then, you know, and then where do I go from there? So I kind of just wanted to play under. And, but the report back was I was aggressive and angry and all this kind of, that's all they ever do. If, yeah. if a black bird challenging him, it's always aggressive, whatever. But th th those are the, you know, yeah. situations where I've been through where it could have easily uh, put a barrier in front of me where I could have just said, you know what? University is not for me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It could have, been, could have deterred my ambition yeah. just because of what happened in going in a bookshop. Did, 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 did they end up like <laughs> apologising for... Uh... No, it, it was my fault because I was too aggressive. Oh, so they turned it from falsely accusing you for stealing to now... You were the aggressor in the situation. Yeah, I'm the aggressor. I, mm -hmm. yeah, I was the aggressor. I didn't have to carry on like that. There was no apology. And to be to be fair, I don't know if he happened now. He, he, I don't know if things have changed in terms of university. Maybe they would jump on it a bit more or whatever. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot, at the time, there was a lot going on because there's. I think there was somebody who was part of um, some white extremist group and there's trying to get him out and, uh, and and people knew about it. And so there was protesting about that. Mm. So race at the time at a university was, you know, is on a high level. So my issue was, was nothing compared to what was that, what else was going on in terms what, of trying what to get... What percentage of black people at the university at that time? There's quite a few. Okay. That's the thing. There wasn't quite a few. It wasn't like there was a few... When I went to university, it was um, it was in the nineties, so mid nineties, uh, okay. yeah, nineties. So no, he was fine in terms of that. It just that, that he never changes, does it? In terms of your, in terms of who you are, your, your color, it doesn't change. When you want to, when you want to move strive, I've had it in my jobs where certain people will get pay rises, and you think I'm more qualified than that person, but they still get pay rise. Mm. Some kind of inequalities, and then they would, and then when you would challenge it, they would say, oh, well, they're doing this responsibility and it belongs to this person and because they have to report to such and such group and all this kind. Do you know what I mean? And you think to yourself, you know, these things will never change in terms of, unless we do things ourselves, especially as a black community, you know, and we rely we rely too much. And I think it's, don't get me wrong, I think it was good, it's good in terms of, I read the Lenny Henry book 
And in terms of, in his autobiography, he, he kept on saying, his parents kept, his, his mum was saying, you got to integrate, you got to integrate. Mm. Which, is, which is great, because that's how people learn about each other's culture, which mm. is not a problem. But I think at the time, this integra- integration, you kind of lose your own identity. Mm. Because when you want to set out to do certain things, that's where, where's the support then? Because you're not going to get the support especially on the white side, they're not going to support you as much. Mm. They don't mind you in terms of the how you... Yeah, I think you're busy general. above them. It ain't going to happen. They ain't going to let a white man, and they ain't going to let a black man rise above a white person. A white person, they see that as, as whether it's jealousy or whatever, they don't want They don't, don't want no black person telling, telling them what to do. Mm. They won't want that. That's how I think consciously. They won't want that. Yeah. They're happy for us to bow down to them, mm. but we to bow now that could happen. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. just think that's a lot of in terms of what a lot of white people have in their head. Yeah, I think a lot of you know, things, obviously, like the, the 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 subconscious colonial rules, and you know, knowing that you've always had power over these people. So yeah, like, yeah, and that's it. And they and they, and they are go and they are going off on that. Which is hundred percent is right in what you say. They are going off on that in terms of their superiority, in terms of their 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 because the, 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 of their colour. That's all it is. That's all it is. So to see a black person prominently rising, it's not good. Mm. And you see subtly in terms of how people are, and so to me, it's very very important that we in the black community, start to, to do things for ourselves. Mm. And then that will open the gates for more and more where it's not a case of, because the funny thing is, I know a lot of uh, black people where they've helped develop um, certain, well, like white people or train them. I was speaking to this guy, um, this white guy, and he does car body repairs and whatever, because I had to do some assessment for some work experience for one of my students. So I was talking to him about his background. And he was saying, he was trained by a Jamaican guy. Mm-hmm. He trained him, you know, and he introduced him to the food and the culture and everything else. And his daddy's guy got his own business, doing well for himself. Mm-hmm. And where did he where did he learn his trade? Where did he learn his skill from a black person? And I hear that story from a few other people who who, who are white. Where yeah yeah did Jamaica got yeah 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 he he done he helped me and this that and rare rare rare, which is great, which is brilliant to get to where they are, which is fantastic. But when it comes to ruling over them, it's it, the, the, the their mentality is different and they don't want it. They don't, yeah. you know. I've you always know, said what? that, you know, I've always said that when it comes to um, the way that we approach it, we should, you know, it, instead of looking for other people to help you, you should always focus on what you can do to develop yourself and, and your community. Because if you look at, I think the blueprint is already out there. If you look at the, you know, the Chinese community, the Asian community, even like we, most recently, the Eastern European community that came over, they, they were really focused in terms of building stuff within their communities for themselves and together. 
And I think that's where the power is. The power is if you have something to to um, bring to the table and if you have power behind you, there's more that you can stand, there's more that you can you can say, you have more of a say because, you know, your community is valued. So for instance, you know, the Asian community, there's so much money, so much wealth there. The Jewish community, so much money, so much wealth. So they, they, they can now stand as a community to speak in one voice and to make things happen and to, you know, force legislation or even to pay for things within their communities to push it forward. So I think focusing on what we can do together as a community will make us more powerful when others are looking into us because already when you look at it across the world, we're always at the bottom of the, the hierarchy. We're always at the yeah, bottom, but, everywhere. But we, but the thing is, we're even jealous of ourselves. Yeah. That's the thing about it. We're, we're, we're even resentful of ourselves. I, I mean, I'll give an example in terms of uh, Caribbean uh, takeaway, and it's in the centre of um, Chelmsley Wood. Mm. It's based in the market part. And there's a black grocery shop just around the corner. And at the time, there was a vacancy for the for the unit in the market, whatever. And I, and I was, so I knew the woman who got the shop and she's had, she had a, a stall in there, a unit in there. Mm-hmm. So I was just asking her opinion and whatever. And she was very, very negative. Oh, no, no, this, that, rare, rare, rare. Nothing encouraging. Mm-hmm. Nothing encouraging. I'm thinking, wow. Well, and the funny thing is, I, I didn't listen to her anyway, in terms of, because I'm thinking it's a good opportunity, really, really, really. and uh, as soon as we got in, whatever. Now, this woman, she could help us. She got a shop, grocery shop, so African Caribbean food or whatever. But not once did she ever come round and get food from us. Mm. Not once. But we would go in there and buy stuff, what we need for our, for our uni. And but she wouldn't do the same, and that's where the jealousy, where it, that where we could work together, she'd benefit from us. We buy her food and whatever, um, and, and all her products, and she could do the same, or not even do the same, just come up and we fly to say come round to get some food mm. and all that. But she don't, and that's the thing. That's that's the man. The, the, I don't know what mentality that is. Mm. where your own can't even help. So it's not even in terms of, so this is not in terms of, oh, it's just white people against black people or they don't want to, a lot of the majority don't want them, want us to get on or whatever. Our own don't want us to get on. That's Mm. the funny thing about it. I just don't get it. I don't, you know, it's like as black people, we get punished from all areas. So that's why, we can't even strive within, like I said, within our own community, mm. let alone anywhere else. So it, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. But maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe this younger generation, maybe some of from my era, too many hang-ups. Maybe it's because of that. And maybe this new generation, yeah. you know, like my son age who's 30, yeah. maybe, that, maybe that generation will be, you know what, you know, we will work together. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's a lot more. There's a lot more of that now in terms of like you know people pushing and promoting like black businesses and so forth. But we're yet we're yet to see where that where that goes. <laughs> Groups and all that. So you know, which is I think is fantastic because before, and this is personally, if you used 
having a black a black person hiring another black person was a no-no. Wow. Because it, all it takes is one person to do, I don't know, a mistake or whatever, and that was it. There was branded. Black people are useless. Black people can't get untied. Black people, blah, blah, blah. And that, that's the stereotype. Mm. And there's a lot of my generation still got them stereotype or using a black person. Where if a white person does it, it's not the whole of the white population. Yeah, you just blame that person. It's everybody. And this is, the this is within our own. So yeah. our own, we got to learn to... So we so all learn to love each other because we don't. That's the thing. Mm. The funny thing is, so we, we you know we need to, and we don't do it. That's the, that's the funny thing is we don't do it. I don't know if you feel like it, it, if you do it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe okay. maybe too many black. Maybe too many black businesses. You can't have too many. You can have one, and the one yeah. where prominent is the one where the other black people don't want others to come up. I don't know. Mm. You know. I don't get it because if you if you have a Chinese, if the Chinese have a say like takeaway or whatever, you get Chinese takeaway out by where I live, you get one virtually next door. Yeah. <laughs> There's no rivalry or something. Yeah. If you want to open up, go on it. I'll open up. You know, there's no rivalry and that. Oh, but if it was black, they, they would see it as rivalry. Yeah. That's, I think that's just, I think that comes from us believing that, you know. Is it, they, we've always been pushed to areas where there's scarcity, there's not enough. So it's like we always feel like we have to compete, not just with everyone else, but within ourselves to even get noticed outside of that. When really and truly there's enough for all of us if we work together. So that fear of there not being enough has always made us very competitive amongst ourselves. It's like we're like crabs in a bucket. We're always pulling each other down. So no one can climb out of the bucket anyway because we're not pushing each other out together. So it's, it's a sad thing to see, but I think... The younger generation, you know, there's more discussion about, you know, encouraging each other and holding each other accountability and pushing each other forward. So I just, I hope that leads to major change because it's, it's, it's a sad mentality to have and it's a mentality that's going to forever keep you down. You know what I mean? What, what would you say is the biggest difference between Birmingham in the 80s where your book was set and Birmingham now in 2021? You know what? This, um, in terms of, like I said, there was a lot of... Um, it wasn't like there wasn't integrate. Like I said, there was a lot of integration in terms of the music and that. Yeah. Um, I think how things. I tell you what, <laughs> it's a funny situation. Because um, I work in a school, a behaviour kind of school, right? Mm. Um, and um, I was on the stairway, and one uh, a student was coming up. A white student was coming up the stairs, and there was another student who was going to cross over. And he got his fist and he touched the other white student with his fist and said, Wagwan. Mm. And I had to laugh at that situation. I'm thinking, you know, for that to happen, yeah. it's like, even you thought, I was thinking if he was too black, students, do you know what I mean? Or even that, or if it was in Jamaica or something, it's just the way they just did it. It was just natural. It was just a natural thing. To do that, and where they're getting that culture, where they're getting, do you know what I mean? There's two, like I said, two white students and they're touching yeah. each other, and that's that's how things have changed. They know the food, yeah. they know the food now. They, 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 you know, 
they, they tell you about the food, they know about the music, the music is embedded. Mm. You know, uh, to be honest, to be honest, when I was, um, when I was got into hip hop, um, I think it was early 90s, 90s or whatever, I was, to, I was introduced to certain hip hop by uh, a white friend. Mm. And the only reason, because he could afford to get the latest, latest CDs or vinyls or whatever. So he would play them where I wouldn't get to listen to that kind of music, yeah. the hip hop kind of music. So it's just, it's just a, so I don't think in terms of, in terms of change and whatever, and in terms of how, I think, um, like I said, you, you, you had the, the, you still had the, the bias. Like I said, you had the racism. It weren't in your face, but he had the racism. And I don't think that's changed in that sense because people now are using social platform, you know, to hide the idea of racism when they can say it. Uh, when they didn't back in them days, well, they would say, but they'd probably shout it from a car or something like that. Mm. Um, I, to be honest, you still... I still see, especially working in schools, you see the biases. You see, I, I, I used to run a football team and one of the, the kids I had, because uh, the football team was predominantly was black and uh, one of them, uh, he was having trouble at school and and even the mum had to go in a few times. The funny thing is the school didn't mind him doing sports because he was fantastic in sport. But anything now, they just saw him being very conf confrontational or whatever. And I had to speak to him. And I said, listen, look, look, I said, listen, to them, right, you're intimidating. Mm. You're, uh, uh, you know, I virtually say, you're, whether he, in, whether he knew his, um, cause he, I think it was his first year in um, secondary. I said, listen, in terms of his identity as a black person, look, look at the size of you. Look, you're black. They're going to see some things differently. They're going to have stereotypes of you and whatever. So when you confront them, if it's a white person confronting them, they probably be able to handle that situation. Mm -hmm. Where if it's a black person, they're thinking, well, he's going to do something. He's going to be, a, he's, he's going to, he's going to jump on me or, or try and beat me up or whatever. So you've got to be careful in terms of your body language and all that. And I have to score this kid. And, to be fair, he, he, I think he took on board because I don't think he ever got back into trouble, but it, it, it's those kind of things where it really irritates me where, you know, they will just stereotype, especially looking at the size of a person and to think mm. they're troublemakers. And do you know what I mean? But it's good that you got probably more pastoral kind of stuff around where hopefully... You know, hopefully there's a few, especially positive role model, models around where, yeah. you know, that, that kind of things won't happen. Because, like I said, back in my generation, you know, to be fair, my dad, compared to a lot of the um, kind of Caribbean, West Indian kind of men, weren't great. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? In terms of how to handle their children and whatever. And there were few and far between, you know, in terms of, staying in, in terms of that unit, you know, still being part of your children's lives and all that. Um, probably, like I said, things have probably ain't even changed that much in that sense, in, in, in a way. 
Um, but it, it, it's very hard to say in terms of, I mean, if I speak to my son, they say, oh, dad, everything's all right. There's not much in terms of racism. But mm. I say to him, yeah, but what, once you start going, climbing up the ladder, then you will find racism. That's what I'm saying. You will find barriers. Mm. And it will be because of your colour of skin. I can guarantee you that. Mm. You know, and like I said, until they see more black people in prominent positions, and you are, and that's the difference. The difference is you are seeing that. So if you say in terms of the difference in you are seeing that because you watch TV now. You see more, especially with advert, you see more black faces or more black cast, uh, newscasters or whoever. Or, or, or black people on the TV more than you would ever. If you yeah. did see them back when I was growing up, is it in a negative? You had things like look by neighbours and things like that, where you'd laugh at. Mm. But then, you know, he'd be insulting him, he'd be insulting, and then the black person would be insulting the white person, the white person insulting the black person, and that's it. But you wouldn't see, and if a black person was on the TV, I guarantee you wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a, like a barrister or somebody like that or prominent yeah. position. It'd be it'd be a, it'd be a criminal yeah. or, or that. Well, that's, that's, that's still very big. Now. Is he a criminal, gangster, or yeah. you know? You would see that. You would see that. So so a lot has changed. A lot has changed. Where in terms of black people now, where we can do things now, where before it was very hard to like unless people told you about certain situations, or if you wanted to know how to do something, I would you wouldn't know how to do it. Where now social media or that social media platform, you know, if you wanted to change something or or, or, or fix something, you just you just you go on the internet and you can find it. Where back yeah. in my day, you never had that, you never had mobiles, you never had internet, mm. you never had all these resources. The resources what I used to find out, if I wanted to know about black issues, go to the library, but it's only if certain books was there in the library. Do you know what I mean? It's certain things that's all you could find. You wouldn't find anything else about no black history like you would now. So there's a, so there's a lot, and it's, it's good in a way that now, it, you know, it, I feel like... Um, I'm like I'm Superman now, yeah. in in a, in a sense where I could you know certain you know I can try my hand at anything. Yeah. Where before growing up or whatever, you wouldn't know how to do certain things because nobody would show you. Yeah. And thing they wouldn't show you, they wouldn't show you how to fix this or fix that. So you was always limited. And only certain people were shown how to do certain things. Mm. So things have changed where now, all right then, if, if, if you go to school now and the teacher and the, the teacher is where they're biased or whatever and they're not giving you no time or whatever, you've got no excuses now where if you feel like the teacher's not teaching, you can teach yourself. Yeah. <laughs> You can look on the internet, you can teach yourself. You don't need a teacher. The teacher is just a facilitator. Where back in my day, you only knew what was told or put in front of you. That was it. You can't, it's like you like yourself, you can't talk to me now and just blind me with all all kinds of stuff and telling me about this, that, and whatever. Check it. 
I can find the app for myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, that's not unique in what you're trying to tell me. Yeah. I can do that myself. So that time the mind was controlled. Yeah, yeah, the mind was controlled. Like I said, if I want to go into something now, I could do my research and whatever, and I can find it and I can say, yeah. Like, for example, it's like um, my, 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 uh, the, the cigarette lighter in the car went. Mm. Um, and because uh, I use it from a Bluetooth and my sat nav or whatever. Now, if it was back in the day, right, if that's something happened like that, you'd be taking it to somebody and um, and they'd be fixing it or whatever and, and you're paying big money or whatever, right? Now, I mean, like I said, because I drive a BMW, I know if I take it to BMW, they're going to charge me a hurt. I know it's a simple thing, but now, but because of the technology, I know how to work it out in terms of, yeah, it's a fuse, yeah, I can find out um, in terms of the diagram what which food you eat. Yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can go and get a few, put it in there, do do the job myself. Mm. Where if I took a BMW, it cost me 150 pounds. No, and I could do it. And I basically, I just asked some Gary to give me a fuse, and they give it me for free. And that was it. And I done the job myself. Those things where now, just using that as example, mm. but it just shows. You're, not, you're capable of doing a lot more now than back then where you were constrained and confined and you, and you, you didn't know anything better. You, you go by what somebody said to you. Now that shouldn't be the case. So the younger generation, you, you've got no excuses in terms of whether racism, racism will always be there, whatever. We're back in our day, yeah, it was there and prominent and we didn't know anything better. We couldn't find, or we didn't have an escape route. We didn't have people to help us in situations. Now you have, now you have, now you 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 can you can strive. You've got no excuses. I've got no. I would say to a young Jay, you've got no excuses. You cannot use race uh, as an excuse. To me, you should use race because I use race as a motivation. Yeah, that's how I I don't look at race and say, "All right, they, they put me down." They don't want me to do yeah. that. You know, Victor, All right. I said, well, that's not a problem. I'll find another way around. That makes me more smarter. Mm. That makes me, you know, more intelligent. That don't make me feel a victim. Oh, I can't get nowhere. Fine. Let mm. me go around it then. Yeah. That's the motivation I need. Yeah. You're stopping me doing what I want. That's not a problem. Because that will make me different than somebody who the equivalent of myself as a white working class because when I was um, on Facebook or whatever and I was saying about racism in certain, you know, growing up in terms of um, school, edu uh, college, university, workplace, and I was saying that on Facebook and somebody responded and said, oh, he said, I, you know, he's, he's uh, a white friend on Facebook, and he said, uh, a school friend, and he said, I didn't know racism happened in, in the, in the, when I was at school. I thought, I thought everything was all right and everything, and I was thinking, in his eyes... He was fine, yeah. But not in my eyes, it yeah. was. You know what I mean? In his eyes, he thought, he thought he was there, but he said, oh, you're doing well. 
you're, you're successful, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But I, did, I had to fight to be in that position. Mm. I had to fight. It wasn't easy. Mm. I had to keep my mouth shut half the time. Not to, just so that it won't spoil the situation. So for me to progress, if it was a white person, well, a white person would have to go through all that. Mm. But that's it what made race. They wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. But that made me. Str- but to be honest, I like I said, I use racism as a motivator. Yeah. I don't use it as to be downtrodden and say, "Oh, I ain't gonna get no nah. Yeah. I don't use it that way because because of the new technology, and I'm grateful and I'm thankful that this new generation or all the generation before and or whatever made it possible where we don't have to put up with a lot of things. Mm. And, and, and I, am, I am truly grateful for that. And now, like I said, it made me truly where I think this young, younger generation where I think, my God, you just don't, you don't understand, man. You don't know the, in terms of what, what your parents gone through or even previous parents gone through mm. to where you are now. You know what I mean? Because nothing, the ambition, at the end of the day, if you've got the ambition, you should, nothing should deter you. If you've got the ambition, nothing, nothing, even if they, even if racism was you, that shouldn't deter you. Yeah. I agree with you. I completely agree with you. And I think, I think that's probably one of the most strongest things you can do as an individual and that's to like, take charge of your life and not let other people put you down based on whatever their reasons are for wanting to put you down and particularly your race. Because if you give up, then the battle is lost. That's the way I see it. So if you just yeah. say racism is prevalent, I can't do anything because of racism and you just give up on life, then there's no point of you doing anything whatsoever. Then you've given up on the whole battle completely. So you should use it as a motivator. And that's a very powerful message, man. And I think that's one of the messages that people should really take going forward. Um, but now, so just to conclude this, just in regards to your book right now, what is the future of Black Britain? So can you tell us a bit about the story, just briefly about the story of the book? What's, what's the journey of the characters within the book? And also what's the future? Because um, obviously the, the book is more historical, right? Yeah, the book is historical based on obviously 1981, and that was a prominent year, because that in terms of the uprising, in terms of the race riots, Mm. Uh, that combined in terms of stop and search source, mm. um, in terms of the em- employment opportunities, things like that. Uh, and so the journey, in terms of the transition, is all from because when you're in junior school, sometimes you know, probably even now, you know, racism doesn't really play a part. I mean, kids play with each other. They don't say they're all black or yeah. white or white. You all look the same. It's like the same. You're, there's no race. There's no. We don't look at anything. It's only when you get older and older and you're more mindful. This thing, hang on, I'm different to you and things like that. And it, that transition for that character, Leroy, was into secondary school was a shock. Was a shock to the system in terms of in terms of how race played a, you played played a part. And because and and the story in terms of the book. Yeah, he's the central character, but then you look at in terms of his family. You look, you look at his his mom, dad, working working class, wasn't living together and whatever. But the dad, it was important to say the dad still played a part in his life mm. as a role model. 
you know, and the dad, in terms of his situation, working in, in a factory or whatever, where he's got a boss who, you know, just says, you know, certain racist slurs, but he has to laugh it off. But deep down, know that he can't do next to nothing because he doesn't want to lose his job or whatever. And then the mum working two or three jobs, which is the norm, just to, just, just to feed her family. Uh, but, you know, but the mainstay of the, the, the family. And then you got the sister, the older sister, where she wants to be, she got high aspirations, but then being told at school, now, well, people of your colour, well, really, really should be working, maybe in a shop or something like that, trying to put people, you know, trying to have that barrier. Uh, and then he's got a younger brother who's nine, who, who's a footballer, and then they go to and play the football game and yeah, again, in a, pro, in a predominantly white area and they get all kind of abuse because back then it was, it was the abuse of what footballers suffered Especially uh, if you was black and you went into certain white areas, yeah. it's it absolutely horrendous. And you know now you would stop the game and whatever. Back then, there'd be all kind of abuse, and it'd be from the parents, and then you get the abuse on the pitch as well. And that was that was tolerated. That was tolerated. That's all a lot of black people. I mean, it made more black people in terms of. Strong-minded, especially footballers in terms of strong-minded, just to overcome situations. So Leroy, like I said, and then he's got his cousin, who is that generation of teenager, and where he gets stuck to search, and then and then he's speaking to his friends, and his friends are all, are all unemployed, and they can't get nowhere, and they don't see no future, and then goes back to Leroy, where he's going to school, and he sees certain sort of racism happening where certain white people get away with things. He doesn't get away with it. And he sees it in the school and whatever and ends up where he's having a fight. He ends up having a fight with another white, a white um, student who, who has that racist uh, kind of um, bias in terms of... He, all of his family are, are, are racist. So that's where he gets his racism. So it comes to the head and whatever. And in the end, they end up being, they end up having a friendship where he doesn't know, where he's trying to educate the, 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 the white students by saying, listen, you know, in terms of black people, blah, 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 and that. And, and, the, and, and, and the white students saying, well, I didn't know, I didn't know. And that's the problem. That's the problem, education. Education in terms of black people you know, he like said, like to say the part what we played, especially in building up Britain, is to say to say that it's not our country, but we built it up, and Britain taking a lot of resources <laughs> and material wealth from African countries, Caribbean countries, for their own profit, and then we're British citizens. We don't want us to work, fight in a world war where we're not mentioned. We're not mentioned in World War One. We're not mentioning World War Two or whatever. We, you don't see no pictures or or people of colour, but they didn't know that we fought in that war. It's their war, but not our war. And then and then we was the ones who kind of built up the country. When the country was decimated through the war, we're the ones where employees were calling, "Please come over, help us, 
help us to build up the country, help us to build up your country because your country is colonized. So please help us. But they don't see it that way. It was more of a, a resentment, resentment, and a lot of that uh, was through government, government paid, uh, 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 and the media played a key part in causing racial divisions. Yeah. Because there wasn't racial divisions, what I was told, in terms of when black people came over. There wasn't, but it was created by the government and by the media. So the working white population saw black people as a threat. So that's why you had certain organisations like the National Front and the British National Party springing up, mm. thinking they're taking our jobs, very, 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 and everything else. What jobs? Nobody had jobs. Mm. It was a government here. There was no, there was no jobs. There was no job for the uh, working white class. There was no job for the for the black. So I don't know what what job. The jobs, what was there, the, the work, the, the working white class didn't want to do. Mm. If the working white class wanted, was going to do it, they didn't want to work in the hospital. They didn't want to work on the railway. They didn't want to work on uh, uh, public transport. They didn't want to do it. That's why there was opportunity. If there was an opportunity, they wouldn't have called, employees wouldn't have called. It was a calling. It wasn't the guy, I think people are mis, um, kind of, um, trying to find a word in terms of, I said misguided in terms of thinking it was a government who wanted uh, those from Commonwealth countries to come over. No, they didn't. They didn't want to. They had nothing to play in the part. It's more employers. The employers wanted, because they were the sorted. They came over to like the West Indies and into other places and said, can you come over? It wasn't the government. But as soon as the, 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 the floodgates opened, as soon as it opened and black people and people from the, uh, the Asian uh, continent started to come over, that's when it became an issue. It became an issue with the government, mm. not so much with the, the working white class. It was, it was more of an issue with them. And that's when they came out and come out with all kinds of legislation and all kinds of acts to stem it. They played that part, and the media as well. The media played that part. I mean, one of the things, um, my mum, you would always see this, uh, the, the slogan outside a house back in the 50s saying, um, no Irish, uh, no blacks, uh, and no dogs. Yeah. And my mum said, well, she never saw that. And whether they just... You see the black and white picture, I mean, um, times on the TV where they would pick a house and whatever. And she said, she never saw that because she saw no Irish, no ducks. Mm. She never saw no Irish, no blacks or whatever. No Irish, no ducks. And when he said no or, or no, well, it wouldn't be blacks because it would be more. And if he did see black, then wouldn't that term, terminology of blacks wasn't used. It was coloured. Mm. So, but she said she never saw it. So, a lot of it was media propaganda. It is media propaganda, and it was the government, uh, people like Winston Churchill and all that, and the, and the conservatives, whatever. It was them. They didn't want so many coming over. They were shocked. Mm. So they made sure that hang on, this is too much. But it wasn't. It wasn't so much in the working white class that causes division because of the media played a part. They wouldn't. I see. 
In terms of white people, let, let's be honest, I mean, it's not all of them, when I say, not all of them are racist. Not all of them are like that. It's, it's just a minority. But you live in a country where it's the majority. So you got no choice, but not all of them. A lot of integrated, a lot of uh, black people in their family. So it wasn't, it wasn't the case of that. There was no resentment. I don't think there was ever resentment. It was just the government. The government created that resentment. And so when the, the, the height of it was through the riots or the 1981, but like I said, the working uh, white class, that was being used anyway in terms of, like I said, beforehand, black people, rare, rare, rare. I mean, it was, it, it, I say it was like a myth when it came to um, the football games back in the 70s and the 80s where you thought fans were being racist to the black players who was on the pitch. It wasn't the majority. Yeah. It was racist. And that's where the media would say, oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. What it was, you had organisations like the National Front who were outside the football ground stirring trouble, mm. stirring trouble. Come on, blah, blah, blah. So when they was in the, so when they was in the stadium, they would say, black this, you bastard. And it was crowd and, and, and fans was certain. Fans are like fans of a fella. If they somebody sing, somebody else will sing. And so they would say, oh yeah, black this, black. And they would be the ones who start you off. They would like the ignition in terms of starting things off. So that they would throw a banana. They'd be throwing bananas thrown. So they created that atmosphere. Because beforehand, there wasn't, there wouldn't be anything said, but it was through certain organisations, then they used football because they knew that the white working car would go attend football matches. So it's easy to cause that kind of, you know what I mean, uh, divisions. So, you know, um, so stepping back to the ball, and I've got a uh, tangent. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. But in terms of, but it all stems from there because it, the funny thing, in my book, it, it talks about a situation where even the, in the police, even though it, it's a case of rivalry in terms of blacks against white, there was a time where uh, black police would get on. I mean, black police, the police would get on with a certain black community. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't against them against us or whatever. And it was well renowned, um, especially in the book, which is true, where uh, the police, where the, where the black community would have their own blues party because they have, they have to have a blues party, they have their own house party because they weren't allowed to go to no clubs. Yeah. They wasn't allowed to go to clubs, just like, you know, that's those things where it probably has changed, where you are allowed to go to clubs. But that's why you would have all house parties and things like that, and you would sell drink and, and things like that. And certain police would attend and, and uh, uh, I would have a drink. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Where you know that's probably not probably told enough. In in, in a sense, yeah. so because on the negative side, don't you? Yeah, on the negative. So you know, in terms of that's like I said, that's the journey of that young person. And to be honest, I don't think it has changed because you could. I'm sure the character Leroy. I could find the character Leroy. Right now. Yeah. Now, right now, I could find that character 
and I could, in terms of aspiration, everything around him or whatever, I could find it, I could find that character. Yeah, but it's amazing that you're, you're telling that story and continues to, continuing the process of educating because this sounds like a story that can be read by everyone, white people, black people, Asians, like absolutely it, everyone. It, 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 I, didn't, I didn't set out where it was, I was culturally biased in terms of, obviously in terms of, it'd be good if a white person, I did it in a, in a sense that, um, especially um, in schooling, especially if it was Black History Month, they could read something like that book on a Nero and get that understanding in terms of what Black people had to go through, especially because that the new this generation that would be, to be honest, that's probably grandparents because I'm a grandparent, mm -hmm. so you know what I mean. I said, oh, your grandparents, that wouldn't be your mother or your, your father. It'd be what, your grandparents, what, what they went through. Do you know what I mean? And then you, you kind of opening the doors for, 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 for them to thrive in, 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 in that sense. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm gonna, I'm definitely, I'm gonna purchase the book myself, and then I'm also gonna encourage my listeners and and followers to also go and check out the book. Um, and um, obviously, after this, if you can send me the link to where the books are sold, I'm gonna put it in all my descriptions in all the various platforms, and ensure that my listeners do um, check out the book because it sounds like a great story that everybody can learn from and everything. But um, as a last question, what 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 next do you have coming up that you would like the people to know about? Do you have any projects coming up or? Anything of interest? Um, at this, I did come out with a uh, with a song and that and I was going to get it recorded. Oh, nice! So, so I may, I may, that may be on the future card. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to write another book. It may be a cooking book. Yeah. Because now obviously I'm following you on all the socials. So next time your new project is out, we'll get back together again, discuss it, and promote it. And, you know, have people share your 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 products as well. So it's been an absolute pleasure, like, you know, listening to you as well, because I feel like I've learned a lot of history. And that's why I love doing this podcast, because not only do I learn, but I'm able to share other people's experiences with my audience as well, which is an amazing way of, you know, the community continuously keeping conversation and educating each other and others on, on various things. So it's, it's been amazing. So I really appreciate it for you coming on today, Colin.